0: Hello, this is Brianna Corrin, host of The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast. We are taking a few weeks off due to the holidays, but I still wanted to release an episode. This is a chapter from Joe Folkman's best-selling book, The Trifecta of Trust, which was released earlier this year. It's one of my favorite chapters from the audiobook, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you're interested in listening to audiobooks, Joe's book is now on sale on Authors Direct for just $5, so you can listen to the whole thing over the holidays. I will leave the Authors Direct link to the audiobook in the episode notes. Happy holidays! Chapter 8 Trust and Speed. One afternoon in June, the Wild Boar soccer team and their coach decided to explore some local caves in Thailand. Monsoon season doesn't start until July, and it looked as if conditions were safe. Within hours, things drastically changed. Torrential rains flooded all the trails within the massive cave, and the team was trapped inside. Speed was necessary in finding and getting the boys out as the waters were rapidly rising. The Thai Navy SEALs, desiring to be the heroes for their country, attempted the rescue, but their lack of experience in cave diving, along with the choppy waters, forced them back. While others frantically worked pumps to lower the water within the caves, the government's rescue team decided to reach out to two cave rescue experts, John Volanthen and Richard Stanton. When Volanthen and Stanton first arrived, the conditions in the cave were not good. They knew from experience that with the strong current, any rescue attempt would have to wait. Trusting in these outside experts must have been difficult for those who wanted immediate action. Other international cave divers also joined the effort, and after nine days, Valanthan and Stanton were able to lay guidelines and found the entire team still alive and safe. But getting them out seemed impossible. The boys had no dive experience and the journey was difficult for most professionals due to the limited visibility, tight caverns, and strong currents. As they struggled to develop an escape plan over the coming days, oxygen was running out, and they needed to move fast. Worried that the dive conditions would panic the boys, the divers explained to the Thai rescue officials that the only way they believed that they could bring all of the boys out alive, underwater, was to sedate them. The officials were nervous about the operation, but they trusted these divers who had come to help and who proved through their expertise, consistency, and relationship building that they wanted to save the lives of those children. This was the only option. After 19 days of being trapped and the efforts of hundreds of volunteers and worldwide professionals, all 12 boys and their coach were successfully transported out of the cave. While some trust is built over time, the speed that comes from trust makes impossible things possible. In 2017, Jack Zinger and I wrote a book called Speed. In this book, we discovered the impact of speed on a leader's effectiveness. We found that leaders who were rated at the 75th percentile for speed were also rated as being twice as effective overall, had more engaged employees, and received more positive performance ratings. Leaders who moved more quickly were significantly more effective. Since we had an excellent measure of both trust and speed, I thought it would be interesting to look at the interaction of these two dimensions with data from a large number of leaders across the globe. Figure 8.1 shows the results. The leaders who were the least trusted, the first through the ninth percentiles, had a speed rating in the 22nd percentile while those who were the most trusted, the 90th to the 100th percentiles, had speed ratings in the 79th percentile. It is clear from this data that leaders who were the most trusted were also rated as moving faster. The speed bumps that erode trust. Several years ago, when my children were younger, the city put speed bumps on the road running in front of my house. It was nice because the speed bumps really worked. Every car slowed down, and many cars avoided the road altogether, finding another route without speed bumps. But the speed bumps are now a frustration to me every time I go down that street because I have to slow down. I worry that if I don't, my car might fall apart. A variety of issues can erode speed and trust within an organization. I gathered data from two senior groups of leaders where they had low ratings for trust and speed. Group A scored in the 20th percentile for trust and in the 32nd percentile for speed. They also had a very low employee engagement rating in the 6th percentile. Group B, on the other hand, was in the 30th percentile for trust and the 55th percentile for speed and was rated with an employee engagement level in the 25th percentile. Trust was rated among the most negative issues in both organizations. Looking over the list of negative items, there was a striking similarity between the two lists. It became clear that in order for trust and speed to flourish, there were some behaviors that needed to be addressed. I identified seven speed bumps that damaged trust. These speed bumps create tension, friction, and disengagement in the organization. Taking out the speed bumps will have a significant impact on increasing both speed and trust. Resisting Feedback from Others Have you ever done something stupid and then looked around to see if anyone else noticed? When I'm traveling, I sometimes slip into strange accents when speaking with foreigners. I often don't realize I'm doing it. Even though it's a stupid thing, somehow you start to believe it's not a problem although my family becomes quite embarrassed by my slip-ups. I had a colleague who loved to chat about his personal life during meetings. Out of fear of hearing one of his tangents, we would try launching into an agenda quickly to avoid small talk. His constant digressions were a problem, and he wasn't catching the hints. While talking too much about outside things during meetings might seem like a small thing, When this colleague received direct feedback, he made changes, and our meetings were more effective and shorter, and all of our relationships were stronger. Many of us resist asking for and being open to feedback from others. Usually that feedback helps you to know you are doing something stupid, and your stupidity has two significant impacts. It slows the organization down, and it erodes trust. I give a lot of presentations, and occasionally there is a small typo in the text. It always amazes me how one little typo can create a significant negative impression for some executives. Because of that, I have developed the habit of always asking others to review my presentations and papers before they are submitted. Each of these seemingly small and insignificant stupidities may seem inconsequential, but they can have significant effects on others' trust and their impression of you. Allowing conflict to fester. If you fail to clean and cover a cut, it begins to fester. Over time, a serious infection can start to form. Have you ever worked in an organization where there was a great deal of conflict? That situation makes coming to work difficult and engagement inevitably decreases. Conflict creates friction that slows down everything and trust suffers. Imagine yourself in an organization where a new approach is suggested. Rather than testing out the new approach, it is critically debated and evaluated. In the debate, you realize that what is being debated has more to do with who suggested the approach than whether the approach is actually useful. Conflict inevitably creates winners and losers instead of the free flow of ideas. These kinds of interactions not only erode trust but also slow down progress. Many leaders assume that their team members should be able to resolve their own conflicts, but that rarely happens. Instead, you should face conflict head-on and diffuse it immediately. Finding an amicable solution can often build stronger relationships and enhance trust as the parties move beyond their conflict. Insisting that conflicts are resolved helps the organizational climate improve and increases speed and trust. Forcing people to deliver results. A demand or insistence is often the easiest way to get difficult things done. But no one likes to be compelled. There needs to be an inspiring reason for people to do something difficult. People need a leader who helps them understand their purpose. During World War II, the German forces were losing their air battle with England. Hitler then shifted tactics. If they couldn't bomb England, they would starve them out by cutting off their supplies. The German U-boats were extremely effective at sinking the Allied ships, and long-wavelength radar was useless for defending against them. The Allies reached a critical point when Britain's oil supply became so low they were running on fumes the Allied forces had to find a way to protect those ships. This meant fixing the radar problem. The United States appointed the eccentric investment banker Alfred Lee Loomis to assemble a team of engineers and physicists to develop a radar system using short wavelengths. With a deadline that meant life or death, Loomis inspired his team to work quickly and collaborate with British scientists to jumpstart their efforts. In less than 30 months, The team successfully delivered the first microwave radar device. However, the system had too many buttons and was difficult for the pilots to navigate in these stressful situations. The pilots couldn't successfully use what the scientists had made. They didn't trust it. When the team of engineers finally understood the needs of the pilots, they didn't push back on what they had created. They knew their purpose was to deliver something that could be effectively used to protect the ships. So they went back and designed it as a grid of pulsed signals across the Atlantic. This allowed a pilot to easily calculate his location on the grid without being detected. In the first month of its use, the Allies sunk 41 U-boats, which was more than in the first three years of the war. Loomis found a way to rally different groups of professionals to achieve exceptional results an inability to adapt to a different situation. The psychologist Abraham Maslow once said, quote, I suppose it is tempting if the only tool you have is a hammer to treat everything as if it were a nail. Some people have a preferred approach, and since they like it, they apply the same approach to vastly different situations. Today, leaders need to be agile and flexible in their approaches, They need to look at different situations and ask the question: what approach would best work in this situation? In 2019, my son-in-law's main priority at a large health system where he worked was to convince doctors to adopt a telehealth solution for their patients. In one conversation with a doctor who was a few years from retirement, when he presented the system's telehealth option, the doctor responded: I don't like it. I won't do it. My patients won't like it. So when I'm gone, you can come talk to the next guy. Before the coronavirus pandemic, less than 1% of physician visits were conducted via telehealth. In the days following the COVID 19 public health emergency, my son in law was rapidly onboarding doctors and training them in telehealth. Due to the shutdown and the lack of knowledge about the virus at the time, physicians had to find a way to keep patients and themselves safe. The crisis forced them to adapt to a new and different mode of delivering care. In my research on agility, I found that to be agile, a person needs to start by being open to learning and listening by respecting the opinions of others. An agile person also needs to be willing to stretch and try different approaches. Even the resistant doctor, who had initially refused to come on board, changed his tune. The doctor's practice not only used telehealth, but also excelled in it. That 1% of doctors using telehealth changed to 85% in just a few months. People can adapt. New behaviors are sometimes difficult to learn, and our first attempts may be awkward. But over time, a new skill can be learned. It helps if a person is optimistic about their ability to learn new skills. And finally, people need to be honest with themselves about their performance. A culture that is not open to debate. Difficult changes require discussion. Without discussion, people walk away angry. Leaders will often assume that an issue has been discussed, but many people are still frustrated. Anissa Parker, Carmen Medina, and Elizabeth Schill wrote in their Rotman Management article, Diversity's New Frontier, Diversity of Thought, that we need to abandon, quote, The idea that consensus is an end in and of itself. In a well-run diverse team, substantive disagreements do not need to become personal. Ideas either have merits and points of connection or they do not. Being open to debate does not mean that difficult decisions will change, but it allows others to feel heard. Leaders should consider how they can create an environment in which people can disagree and express how they really feel. This kind of thing takes some time and requires some patience, but the lack of opportunity to discuss and debate creates friction about movement and causes some people to want to sabotage a new approach to change. Ignoring individual impact. Several years ago, I had been in Europe for two weeks working in a variety of different countries. Because of the late nights, international flights, and poor internet connections, I was not caught up on my email. As I returned to the office, I was desperate to get some help on a project from one of our employees. I assumed that they would be in the office when I arrived in the morning, but they were not at their desk. By noon, I was getting more and more anxious. So I went to a colleague and expressed my frustration, only to hear, Don't you know what happened? The obvious answer was, No, I don't have a clue. All too often, a negative or tragic event happens to an individual in an organization. This event grabs the attention of the majority of employees, but maybe you are completely unaware. Most people have heard about this event through the grapevine, but your grapevine has been cut. Because of your lack of awareness, you conduct business as usual, which for all who observe seems insensitive and callous. Compare that situation to one in which you are quickly informed about the negative event. You step in quickly and give this person some support and time off to cope with the situation. What you have done makes the employee with problems feel valued and makes everyone else proud to work for this kind of organization. In the ongoing stream of growing, delivering, and running successful businesses, leaders can often look past or stay uninformed about their most important asset, their employees. Alyssa Mastromonaco, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff for President Obama, has had an impressive career, but is also aware of her limitations— when she was switching to a new antidepressant medication, she said, quote, I told the CEO that I was on Zoloft and was transitioning to Welbuterin. I can react strongly to meds, so I was worried switching would shift my mood, and I wanted her to know why. I talked about it like it was the most normal thing in the world. It is. Her boss was completely supportive. While this powerhouse woman brings a load of talent to her job, she also comes with her anxiety. Trust is built when people know their leaders and the organization have their back, when they can bring their whole self, even the broken parts, to work, and they know it's okay. Working independently and avoiding collaboration. My colleague Jack Zanger and I have worked together for over two decades. We have written eight books together and created hundreds of articles. Our approach has been to create a first draft of a chapter or article alone and then send it to the other person for edits, changes, and revisions. Most of the time, we agree on the conclusions, but occasionally, we disagree. My first reaction when Jack disagrees or has a different opinion on a topic is often negative. I say to myself, He can't be right. How could he possibly disagree? Lucky for me, I say nothing, but I think about his difference of opinion, and after a while, I start to see his point of view. He is not always right, but his pushback always makes what we create much better. Many people have a preference to work independently and avoid collaborating with others. The problem is that for most work, what you do impacts what others do. When you work independently, you lose the perspective of how what you do affects the work of others. Anytime you create more work and frustration for others, You lose trust. Those who make a concerted effort to involve others will see a big payoff regarding their overall efficiency. The speed of trust. Stephen M. R. Covey claimed in his book, The Speed of Trust, that nothing is as fast as the speed of trust. And from my research, I would agree. Trust makes challenging decisions easier, trust makes adopting new processes and procedures faster. Trust makes collaboration among team members smoother. If you're going to devote a third of your life to your job, then it is worth it to focus on the one trait that will significantly increase your speed. The 90th percentile on Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corrin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on ZangerFolkman.com.